Warning. While Stephanie Meyer may have written Twilight for children and young adults, Twilight, a literary podcast, contains adult content. If that kind of stuff isn't your speed, feel free to stop here. Everyone else, please sit back and enjoy our explicit podcast. Oh, welcome to Twilight! A literary deep dive into the blood-sucking skin sparkling world of Twilight! From a lifelong fan. And a first-time reader. Join us as we try to answer the question, Does does it it suck? making direct eye contact with Jess that entire time, and she didn't like it. It made me slightly uncomfortable. Well, Jess is feeling a little uncomfortable this episode because... I'm blind. Well, she's currently dilating. Oh, but my eyes, not my cervix. Yes, yes. I guess I should clarify that you're dilating from your eyes. Correct. Yeah. So. Yeah, I got my eye exam, guys. She said my eyes look totally normal. That's great. Jess had a bit of an episode recently. Yeah. Where she went blind, I guess. No. So, um, it's like, you know, whenever you like look into the bright light and then yeah. it leaves like that mark and mm-hmm. the, it's like kind of fuzzy, almost like staticky looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that just happened out of nowhere and then it grew bigger. And then it was like a huge crescent moon across my line of vision. And then it slowly started moving to the right until it went away. And I lasted for like 20 minutes. And I told the eye doctor and she was like, did you get a migraine afterwards? And I said, no. And she said, that's good. Well, good. But I still don't know what the heck happened. Well, it should be fine. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I wouldn't even think about it anymore. Well, it's. I mean, you're hurt. You're already half deaf. I know. See, that's the thing is that I worry about is yeah. that I will... We're barreling towards a Helen Keller situation exactly, right now. Exactly. Exactly. But she said my eyes were totally normal, in that's her good. words. Yeah. And I think they are totally abnormal because they are so beautiful. Thanks, babe. Anytime. Well, guys. Well, guys. Here oh, we are again. Here we are. And uh, just quick shout out to the End of the Fold podcast. Uh, they shouted us out again on their pod and so I, we're gonna it's just gonna be a yeah, tag i am not gonna lose <laughs> so gonna you guys are out. listening jeff julie i'm shouting you out you guys are great we love you take that anyways anyways <laughs> friendship feuds aside we have a very unique episode this yeah week. so we decided since we you know have no more book to read no more book um, that we would go through the outtakes and extras on Stephanie Meyer's website. Yes. So if you go to stephaniemeyer.com or whatever it is, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it is. Um, and you can go and find um, extras and outtakes for New Moon and Twilight. So we read through those. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Also, um, if you go to YouTube, you can search up what is it called, babe? So it's the storyteller. So uh, Stephanie, Storyteller. Stephanie Meyer, along with uh, a Volvo, 
and a few other companies. And, Lionsgate. And her, uh, I think it's Frisky Fish is her like production company Stephanie Meyer has with a friend of hers. They, they sponsored a bunch of fan-made movies, little short vignettes, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, in the Twilight canon. So we're also going to talk about them. So if you guys want to check that out before we talk about it in this episode... Like Jess said, Stephanie Meyer's website, you can get all these extras and outtakes. And then also the storytellers are free to watch on YouTube. We want to give a special shout out because the idea for this entire podcast or this episode came from a fan that sent in uh, or a listener that sent in a request that we review these things. So thank you. Yes. So uh, this came from a uh, Desiree on Facebook who suggested that we do the outtakes on Stephanie Meyer's website. So this whole episode is basically inspired by them. Uh, So I just want to say thank you for the suggestion because I really liked it and I really enjoyed the outtakes and extras. So Me as well. So let's just get into it. Yeah. So this is going to be kind of a weird episode. We got a lot of parts going on. We're covering a bunch of different things. But just just enjoy it. Don't even worry about it. Stop thinking. Yeah. Just stop thinking. thinking. And you know what we'll talk about? Yeah. Not thinking. Especially anyone driving right now. Stop thinking. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Close. In fact, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Let Jesus. Take the wheel. There you go. <laughs> now you're not worried about it. Okay, actually, don't do that. I yeah, don't do that. Guys, um... Legally, we're going to say, don't do that. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to start with the Twilight outtakes. Uh, first off is a uh, outtake known as Badminton. In, that's what it's known as. You know, as. the game with the shuttlecocks. Yeah, so this was originally cut from Chapter 11, Complications. And it's pretty short. We just see Bella playing badminton in gym class, and it goes about as well as you would expect. She hits Mike multiple times, which is great. Yeah. Stephanie Meyer talks about this and says that she cut it at the time because she didn't see it really add anything to the story, but it bugged her. It wasn't until later that she realized that she had said how kind of awkward Bella was in gym class, but she never really showed it. And But by that point... She'd, it was too late to add the scene back in. Right. But we do see it in Midnight Sun, a version of it through Edward's POV, as he's watching the cl- uh, through Bella's classmates do this. Yeah. So when I was reading through this outtake, I could have sworn that it was in the book. Like right. in my head, I was like, I've totally read this before. But um, I suppose I was just thinking about Midnight Sun or I've just actually read that outtake before. Well, like, <laughs> and we get a kind of a version of it. Doesn't she play volleyball in the movie? In the movie, yeah, she so plays volleyball. We get to see this. And... But I think we get. I, I think it was right to cut it. I think we get enough of Bella being clumsy. I right. think. I don't think. It we was yeah. A lot. We don't need another clumsy Bella scene. Okay, so the next one is called shopping, shopping with, with Alice. It's called shopping with Alice. Um, it's the original version of Chapter Twenty, Flight. And here we see Bella's trip with Alice and Jasper to Phoenix, which mostly consists of buying new expensive clothing. Meyer cut it because she felt it slowed down the pace of the hunt section of the book. And I have to say, I I agree with this sentiment. I also feel like Stephanie Meyer loves Alice like way more than. I think I personally do. Yeah. Um, but that could just be because I personally don't have a lot of, like, girlfriends. Like, uh, most of my friends have been, like, boys. Most um, of my girlfriends have been boys as well. Anyways, I, I, really, I'm just searching for more bonus content of Emmett, I think, is what I would like. <laughs> yeah, and we'll see with another outtake coming up here. Uh, Meyer kind of gets these moments where she likes to really get into the girly stuff, um, especially, yeah. like you said, I, I agree, she really does like Alice a lot, Yeah, and she kind of becomes much more of a focal point in the story than I think either you or I really care for. Right. I uh, mean, I do love Alice, but 
there's something about her relationship with Emmett that I just like more. Uh, yeah, I find it more special. It's more yes. unique. It's more. You and I both love. We've talked about this many times. Both love platonic, uh, like male, male female, female relationships. relationships. We just, I eat that shit up. I, I don't know if it's a con- if it's because you grew up with girls and I grew up with no one, um, <laughs> sibling wise. Right. That we just kind of like have these desires yeah, like, but, but like, like it's even like thing. brother sister like interactions right, yeah. it just warms the cockles of my heart i, I yeah, don't know what i don't know what it is either yeah i love a good brother sister but um i think i know the real reason this scene was cut babe what is it so at, at one point bella calls daddy swan and kind of comforts him explains that she's okay she's just going through something right. she's it's not about him she kind of just trying to helps him out makes him feel better in the situation and as right. we know the whole point of these stories is was... to torment Daddy Swan. Exactly. So there's no way we could have kept this in. <laughs> it just would not fit with the tone of the series. No, you need so, to keep the pain. Daddy Swan <laughs> has to only hurt. And he was comforted. And we just can't have that. So I, I do think, though, for in, in all honesty, it's best that they cut that in particular. Because mm-hmm. I think you need to keep... The... Keep it intense. Well, and well, keep it intense, but it's the, specifically the Daddy Swan thing you need to keep the sacrifice Bella made. She had to hurt him yes, to do it, to absolutely. do this. And if you kind of let her kind of take it back a little bit and kind of like renege a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You lose the, you lose that gut punch. Mm-hmm. And this whole, and like you said, this whole scene is, it's slow. It, it's mostly uneventful. Right. Who cares if they're shopping? So whoever, whoever the editor is, we agree on this sentiment and this sentiment alone. Yeah. Cause <laughs> we, we were going to disagree with the editor of uh, uh, some more <laughs> a here. Few, a few times. Two things. Yeah. Yeah. But the editors are mostly correct. So next up is one much more in our uh, that we're into is mm-hmm. Emmett and the Bear. Yes. So this one's interesting because it was cut. It was originally in the epilogue, but most of the story, I, I, as far as I remember, it's hard for me to remember what was in the book and what you like talked about from right. the illustrated guide and all right. that. So, but we get part of Emmett's origin story in other parts of the right, book. Right. With I think Rosalie's. Story because Rosalie talks about her story and finding Emmett. Yeah, that's right. I and think so that's, that's the only way we get Emmett's story. Right, I think you're correct there. Um, and so, so basically, this is just it was in the original epilogue of Twilight, and it's Emmett tells Bella about his fight with the bear that led him to led him to becoming a vampire. And I, same as you, uh, you have your comment all caps if you want to say it. It says, "I love their relationship so much." Me too, because it's Emmett and Bella on the couch and Edward, but yeah. Emmett's got his arm around Bella. He's telling her, he's regaling the story that Edward's heard a million times. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit anymore. He's like, I think Edward's trying to learn how to cook through TV. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. And he's getting frustrated every time. Uh, they the, taste. To, yeah. Flavor to taste. And he's yeah. like, I can't taste. I don't understand. It doesn't help <laughs> me, which I love that. That was a cute moment. Yeah. Uh, but it's mostly just Emmett. And what's cool about what the best part of, in my opinion, the Emmett origin story is like how it's very the sweet thing where he thinks he's died and he is... Rosalie's carrying him away. He thinks it's an angel. Yeah. And that Carlisle is God. And right. I remember telling you Which about this because this is bonus content that I talked about in a previous episode. And you mm-hmm. really liked the the aspect that um, Carlisle was seen as this like God and yeah. Rosalie, this angel. And I, I do love the parallels where he's where he like, you know, feels the pain. He thinks he's, he's not, in hell. He's feeling hell flames, you but know, he's, he's like burning. Confused because he also still sees his angel and God. And yeah. he thought, you know, if it can't be that bad, you know, being in hell as long as I get to keep my angel, I just <laughs> 
Well, and and it's a cool juxtaposition to like Edward's opinion of like they're like these godless monsters, uh, especially how Edward feels about himself. Uh, yes, but he also sees I also Carla like is the only holy one. Well, yes, or the only one who could be redeemed. That is an interesting parallel. There. So I just like that there's this religious kind of subtext in a mm-hmm. lot of these and very different angles of it that I think Meyer does. We talked about this in Midnight Sun a lot, but I think Meyer incorporates these religious themes very well and in a way that's not. Uh, just overly simplified or like beating you over the head with no it's always complex and it's always uh meaningful yeah like and and i think that's it's cool i don't know i like i think this could have kept in um the original the epilogue we get is just the prom isn't it yeah i think so so which i mean this doesn't feel like an epilogue no it feels like it it should be part of this but i would have liked it in the story but i don't know where it would have gone in yeah maybe like a new moon somewhere who knows? I agree. This, like, this would know? have been great in like the summer, the first like chapter of New Moon before right. the paper cut. Exactly. I agree. Let's Anyways. call up her editor. Anyways. So the final Twilight um, outtake is uh, the extended prom remix, which is not so much an outtake uh, no. as Stephanie Meyer describes as just uh, some gratuitous girl fun that Meyer just wrote just because she wanted to write. And it's basically just we get to see the whole makeup and dressing yeah, up. Yeah, where Bella Rosalie sequence. and Alice are getting Bella ready for a surprise prom date. Yeah, so uh, I have very little to say about it. I, there's nothing really new, uh, really, at all. No, there's a little note. Uh, Rose apparently modified Bella's truck. was a little thing in there. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Jasper uh, finds two, uh, what is it, two blow dr- hair dryers. That was fun. They had to use four Hair dryers on Which Bella's hair. Just seems seems a bit much. It does. Um, also, uh, there's a moment where they talk about um, Alice becoming like uh, the 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 housekeeper with Bella being injured and taking care of all the awkward things like Bella having to shower and right. like needing help with everything, wiping her ass. Exactly. <laughs> uh, whatever you ladies do. Um, <laughs> that's that's what you know. Whenever we go do. to the bathroom together, <laughs> we're wiping each other's ass. Oh, I. <laughs> I never knew. <laughs> That's interesting. That oh, wow. Me. That... I thought you were all plotting against me. But I guess that, that's, that might be my own insecurity <laughs> talking. But uh, it mentions that Daddy Swan had started calling Alice Angel instead, Cute. which I just think is which sweet. Which I love that. Which, uh, once again, that's a nice moment for Daddy Swan. Had to be cut. <laughs> Can't have that in the story. <laughs> uh, the word hyacinth it, it appears a lot. Which is interesting. I don't think I know what a hyacinth looks like. Maybe I do. Let me look it up. Oh, I did know what it looked like. Sorry. Oh, what is it? I do not know what it smells like. It, mm. Honestly, it looks like uh, the lavender that I have on my back. Oh. It's like one of those long plants, you know? Like, think yeah, like, like, a, uh, like a blue bonnet or like a... A blue bonnet. Uh, snapdragons? Those yeah. also look like that? Sure. A corn. I, I, corn. I just, I, I'm just like naming other flowers as if you'll know what that looks like rather than a Blue hyacinth. Blue bonnet's a good one. Blue bonnet is, is pretty iconic. I'm pretty sure like 80% of our listeners are from Texas, so. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Uh, my final note on it, mostly boring. Good to cut. Yep. We agree with you, editors. But I'm glad Stephanie Meyer had fun. I know. I'm. You know, I'm all for a good time. And again, this one wasn't really an outtake. It's just something Meyer wrote. And real quick, just shout out to Meyer's website. It's really nice. It's very, very well nice put fun. together. Very well at organized. Yeah, I definitely. Which was great for this episode because we were basically all this is coming from her website. Yeah. Um, and she has a really nice website. A lot of fan content. She's. I, I think we've touched on this a little bit before, but I think Stephanie Meyer is very. She's 
very good at being engaged with their fans. And this isn't a comment on uh, uh, recent J.K. Rowling events, but I'm talking like pre-J.K. Rowling becoming uh, a a horrible person. But but back before that, her like fan interactions always seemed like her interactions with the Harry Potter universe always seemed a little more forced and like showy, like hey you know Dumbledore's gay (laughs) which like maybe is maybe she did totally intend that I I don't really care it doesn't really matter whether that was always there or she made it up at the end but but like it always felt like kind of showy but Myers very subtly she just gives fans a lot of content she gives a lot of extra stuff yeah but it seems very genuine it seems for the fans it's not she's not trying to like make it a thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you go on her website she's got playlists she's got all kinds of like posts about uh, the release parties and different events that were going on around the release of all her books. It's a yeah. very nice website. And I think oh, yeah. she does a really good job with all that. So shout her out there. So the next main topic here, we're going to talk about the new moon outtakes. New moon. So the first one is the original epigraph where Meyer swapped quotes where, okay, instead of having, um, she just really just swapped quotes from what was it again? So, so, so it's Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. And Juliet. So to, she originally had the. Oh shit! I should. You, you should actually introduce this one. Sure thing. So she her the the epigraph we get the, um, in the final version is these violent delights have violent ends and in their triumph die like fire and powder which as they kiss consume. I like that a lot. I, I do too. And originally though she had a different Romeo and Juliet quote which is. Coming up, just you wait. So uh, the original one she was going to do was, Come, gentle knight, come, loving, black-browed knight. Give me my Romeo, and when I shall die, take him and cut him out in little stars, and he will make the face of heaven so fine that all the world will be in love with night. Which is a very lovely one. It's a very lovely one, but I do agree with her swap there. Me too. I think and her reasoning. You mm-hmm. definitely need to reflect what's happening kind of at the end of the book versus yes. like what's happening in the love story overall. I think you definitely want to heighten that danger aspect. Right. And so that's that's uh Meyer's explanation is that she wanted to reflect more of the danger and the intensity of the story rather than the romance of it, which I think is correct for New Moon because yes. I think New Moon is almost anti-romantic. It's it's yeah. all the pitfalls of romance. Right. Because it really is emphasizing the, uh, for lack of a better term, problematic parts of Romeo and Juliet. I don't mean yeah. like socially conscious problematic, but I mean like the, the ways that love is, young love especially, can just go horribly wrong very right. quickly. And I think highlighting that in the quote is, it was much more uh, accurate for the story. I agree. Now the second outtake from New Moon is called Narcotics. Yes, which we've talked about this one before, I believe. Perhaps. Uh, This one was changed from Chapter 2, where basically Bella takes Percocet and gets all giggly and laughy. And honestly, I think it's really cute and funny. I do too, yeah. But the editor thought the tone was off and that Bella's reaction was unrealistic, which... I do. I, I, I don't think it's it's unrealistic. I'm pro Stephanie Meyer on this one in that, like, I'm pretty sure this has happened to people where, like, they've taken Percocet, gotten too loopy, and then afterwards, like, thrown that shit away. Right. Um, but, I mean, sure, it doesn't fit in with the rest of the story at all. But right. I do love seeing Eddie Boy being so entertained by Bella. And, honestly, I'm, I'm glad she published it on her website at the very least because... 
it does not belong in the book, but it is a fun scene to read. Yeah, no, I kind of agree with you where I, I think it is realistic, but I do think the tone is off. So I agree yeah. halfway with the editor. Yeah. Um, and d- definitely Meyer saved herself some like this age poorly takes because, you know, obviously Percocet and the opioid crisis is not, you know, fun. Right. So having a fun take on it, even though at the time it wouldn't have been anything, but yeah. now it would have looked weird. Oh, so yeah. worked out for her in the end. I think it's a negligible change but a much bigger difference is our next one scholarship and so this was a whole plot line or like a little subplot line cut out and kind of more of a kind of a running gag actually than a plot line mm-hmm. where edward is repeatedly trying to give bella money through a made-up college scholarship fund for poor girls um, <laughs> which is so funny it's just great it's so funny i think yeah. it's great i would have kept it in uh maybe it would have made the book a little uh, too much for the book it may have been know. too long. But I liked it. So it starts with Bella first going to the bank that Mike's mother works no, at. No, Jessica's mom. Jessica, sorry, Jessica's mom works at. The, the Newtons have the, 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 the other store. store. Yeah. Which I really relate to Bella in this one because she just laments on like the problem with living in a small town is like you can't go to any store and like have a, an anonymous experience with like a clerk. You know everyone. So everyone knows everyone. So like you have to have a conversation with because it's Jessica's mom. So you have to have a conversation with the secretary there. Right. So or clerk, whatever she is. But basically, she goes and there's like, there's $20,000 in your account. And then that was like, what? Like, excuse me? And then the manager comes and it's like, oh, you won this scholarship for college, but they just give you money in your account. They've just wired it into your account somehow. Also, So it's 20 grand. Also, you get $5,000 every month <sighs> for as long as you're in co- school. And don't worry about it. <laughs> and Bella's like, I'm a little worried about it. Well, I do want to say before this, while um, they were on the phone trying to figure out where this money came from, Bella was like waiting. <laughs> and, and I love this line. It says, there is only so long that anyone could be expected to keep her mind blank. And if this <laughs> didn't end soon, I wouldn't be able to help it. I would have to think. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that. <laughs> Which I also feel when I'm in a bank, I feel like I need to be like blank. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you need to become like a robot in a bank in many ways. <laughs> but yeah, I, but it's funny because then they send like a package with, or well, then they well, send. A, well, because she's like, "Oh, uh, how are they going to give me this money?" They're like, "They'll just transfer it's in your account this. now." And she Shady. said, "I want to close my account." <laughs> Which is just such a Bella move. So this is such a peak Bella thing to do. She's like, "No, I'm done. I close my account." And they're like, "What?" And they're like close it and they're like close it send the money back give yeah. me the fifteen hundred dollars that was mine <laughs> yeah which anyone else would be like yeah i'll take that money also it was really shady because she was like i don't remember applying for this and she's like well they didn't accept applications they only take uh applications that have been rejected for other scholarships yeah the the, the manager of this bank is like clearly getting paid to do this because she's like just don't worry about it, Bella. Just don't even think about it. And Bella's like, I don't even have that. I know like three girls in my school have better grades than me, including Jessica. Your daughter. Yeah. And she's like, don't worry about it. Don't You're thinking about it? Don't think about it. <laughs> and but then they send Bella a cashier's check. And then they just send her cash yeah. in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Which she then throws into the Cullen house, throw, tries to throw it at the door, misses the door, yes. hits the window, and leaves like a huge hole in the window in the front I of mean, the Cullen house. It, this, <laughs> is just, this is, I want to keep it just because I think it really reflects Bella's character perfectly. Exactly. I think it is pure Bella. And it's she, so funny too. Because she can't bring herself to burn the money because she burns yeah. the cashier check. 
she's like, I can't burn the money, but if also if I just give like twenty grand to a charity, people are gonna ask questions. Like I can't. Do, so she just throws it at the at the Cullen house, and then just of course smashes, smashes through a window. window. And then afterwards, like um, at the very end of the story, Esme's like cleaning it up. Like when they're back, she's like, "I'm sorry, I didn't do that on purpose." And Esme's like, "I wouldn't blame you if you did." Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what a dick move. I loved it. I I personally would have kept it, but I think you and I also agree with the next one. I think we have similar feelings. Yes, yes. So let's let's get into that. Um, the next one is if Jacob didn't break the rules. This one's big. So originally, Bella wasn't supposed to learn about Jake being a werewolf in New Moon. It was something that was supposed to come about like during Eclipse, and so yes. in this version of the book, the plot plays out mostly the same but bella doesn't learn the truth until the very very and i mean very very end of the epilogue literally the last line which is what sold me on this should have been the good so meyer felt that jake circumventing the rules was more true to his character and i am inclined to agree i agree and i have a rebuttal to that though what i think that meyer's correct but what i think would have been great about this is that sam forces jake not to tell bella or to do any like he don't or i know he already forces jake not to tell bella but if he really forces him to like say nothing to her about like he alphas the shit out of jacob and just says you, he doesn't let jacob do it even though jacob physically wants to which i think will keep this plot that we really like this plot change but mm-hmm. also sets up even more jacob overcoming sam's orders in breaking dawn because he's already having to go against his character right. to do Sam's bidding. So I think you could have make it made this work. I mean it would have been fitting. Yes, but I do agree. But with, I don't yeah. think it's not in Jake's character. He would right. have tried everything he could to get around it. Yeah. And so I agree that it it didn't belong in the book, but man is is it a killer It's a killer last, last line, line. Which um I mean I can read it for you guys. Yeah, well I'll set it up and then you can read the line. So we have the book goes the same as it does, except Bella's still wondering the whole time what's up with Jake. Jake clearly he's Jake still saves her uh, from drowning. Clearly is has like some kind of supernatural weird strength. He's in this weird cult with Sam, but at the Volturi everything happens the same, and then we're we're back with Bella and Edward together. But Bella doesn't know anything about like what's going on with Jake. And then yeah, so 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 Bella and Edward are up in her room, and he's kind of he kind of freaks out because he smells something on her. He's like, "What's going on?" She's like, "Well, I did see Jacob," and he's like, "Oh, of course." Um, and she was like saying that Jake said, we're, "You're not allowed to be friends with me. Can you explain to me?" He said you would tell me everything, and so Edward was like. I'll tell you everything. In fact, I'll explain every tiny detail and answer every single question you have. Only, could you do something for me first? He raises his eyebrows, almost apologetically, and wrinkled his nose again. Do you mind washing your hair? You absolutely reek of werewolf. So good! What? (laughs) What? It's It's so so good! good. It's so good! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Not knowing this, yeah. not knowing that he's a werewolf, although it's pretty fucking obvious. I mean, it's I obvious because we already have the Quilliot stories and stuff. But, but like not knowing this and then getting to the very last line of the epilogue 
of the second book. So this is the see- end end of the book. And then you he- you read that line, and now you have to wait until the next book comes out. Yeah. I think Meyer should have found a way to keep this in. I agree with her that it isn't Jake's character to just kind of kind of find a way to mm-hmm. get Bella to figure it out. But, yeah. man, I think it would have been worth it to find a way to keep this going. Because then I, I think Eclipse is such a... I think it sets Eclipse up as such a more important book where now we're learning everything about werewolves and vampires and it's like kind of the peak of like or the introduction of all these supernatural elements Mm -hmm. and then it sets up for breaking dawn where everything kind of comes to a head climax you know that we get climax of all supernatural powers bella getting her powers and all that i i think it would have been worth it to try to make this still be the the story it, it's not terrible because like you said it's kind of obvious jake's a werewolf because right. the quillies we set up that whole honestly, story honestly i feel like it probably would have just drug on if she hadn't have revealed yeah it i just that line book. is so good i i i just want it to I be know. well you, even meyer says it's a good book she at the end she says i have to admit i still have a soft spot for that last line yeah i and as you should that's a great oh that's a great tease to the next book yeah but oh well oh well what could have been so next we have New Moon Extra. So these are things that were never intended to be in the book. These are just things Meyer wrote, mostly inspired by questions and comments she saw on the Twilight uh, lexicon, the yes. kind of fan website. Which is also a great resource. I know I've mentioned it, mentioned it several times, yeah. but you can get a lot of information from the Twilight lexicon. You really can. It is really nice. So the first one is called uh, Rosalie's News. And essentially, this is Edward's point of view of when Rose called to tell him that Bella had died. So we don't get anything too new out of this. Um, I do like that we get a little snippet from Edward's POV, especially from this point in the story, because you know that we're never going to get this, right? Like, we Mm -hmm. only get Midnight Sun. She said she will never write another book from Edward's POV. Which is the correct thing to do. So I do think it's it's quite nice that you have that Mm -hmm. to read. But also, you know, nothing too new. No, it's not that interesting. Rosalie's News, I call it Rosalie's Snooze, because not a whole lot happens. A line I really liked was uh, Edward trying to talk himself into not going back to see Bella because he Mm. constantly wants to. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he his mind keeps bringing up is, is, quote, the seductive image of Bella's dark window. Boy, that man loves that fucking window and breaking into that room. He lubricated it. He said, I gotta gotta lube this baby up. (laughs) I gotta grease this wheel. (laughs) What the, the. Parts I did find interesting is is you hear like how the family is reacting to Edward not being there. Yeah, and one which is that, heartbreaking. Especially, uh, apparently, Carlisle never laughs with, with Edward's <laughs> not around. Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah, oh uh, which God. is interesting I and I sad. I cannot see Carlisle sad. It breaks my heart. Yeah, and also Rose like really buries the lead. She talks a long time before she tells Edward that the Bella died. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if you're calling just to be a bitch about it, then do yeah. it. You know. It does quote Shakespeare's Hamlet, to sleep, perchance, to dream. I there's the rub, which is... Um, that's a very famous part of that's it. That's from To Be or Not to it's Be. It's To Be or Not to uh, Be. Which line. is just... It, it's overdone, but it's rightly overdone, so. It's beautiful. But if you guys want a really good rendition of it, the guy... Oh, what's his name? He Andrew plays Scott. the priest from... Um, Fleabag. Fleabag. You'll probably which, know first m- of all... Oh, anyways. Yeah. Um, you probably know... He's more, most famous for playing Moriarty in the... Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock. But he, I was prepared to do this as well. I'm glad you brought it up, babe. But he is the single best 
rendition of this monologue I've ever seen. It's, it transforms the. It literally transforms the language where I never understood this monologue at, until he did it. Until like, he as did like, it. Yeah. I literally. mean, like functionally, like understood the language. Like he speaks in a way that transcends the period of the English that he's speaking, where it, it feels natural and real in a way I've never heard someone do Shakespeare. Like, it truly gives me chills. It truly gives me chills. Andrew Scott hamlet just look it up it yes. is a magnificent absolutely i mostly just brought this all up just to talk about that clip of him really that. oh that's funny that i then also well, thought of that immediately no i love that <laughs> well because but i love the the line to sleep perchance the dream i there's one. the rub I, I love that line i love that whole monologue from hamlet it, it's a cliche but for a reason yes. um but that's about it for the the next one i think is much more interesting and this is when we get miss this is miscalculation where we get rose's point of view which is very interesting. Yes. So now, how many characters POVs do we have now? Like, <laughs> four. We have Jake. We have Bella. We have Edward, and now Rose. So that's yeah. We got we're on four there. Yeah. I mean, you could count almost five though for like when Edward's. I guess that would count for everyone. But I was thinking Edward like living through Alice's like planning. Oh and Midnight Sun. yeah, that too. You really get to be in her head. Oh, but that is a, yeah, fun. But but so it's uh, Rose's POV as she learns that Bella actually didn't die. Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> So this is interesting. This was a joke submission that Meyer had made to a fanfic contest. And Meyer had bet her friend that no one would realize that it was Stephanie Meyer writing into this contest. And then, it turned, but the, they just never received her entry or they never like put it into the contest. Yeah, so jokes on her. So nothing came of it. But I, I found it very interesting. I it really was liked very it. interesting. It was it's a nice little like a fresh glass of water, you know, hearing it from Rose's point of view, hearing her mm. admit things to herself that you'd, I didn't expect her to admit. Yeah. When she talks about how much she misses that misses Edward, she really, really did miss him. Yeah. She missed uh, uh, him playing music. He, they they share a very dark sense of humor, very mm-hmm. dry, like moody, uh, obnoxious sense of humor. And she even compares it to Emmett's, like, sunny, jokey sense of humor. Yeah. Well, and she talks about how Emmett is not himself without Edward around. Well, sure. I think that was actually in the last one where she mentions that Emmett's not as fun. He's yeah. kind of, Emmett's just kind of a bit mopey when yeah. Edward's not around. And I like that they share, like, this dark sense of humor. They share that they love fixing up the cars and they yeah. have these little things. And they are, it's a very brother-sister thing as we keep talking about but mm-hmm. you know in a kind of rivalry yeah i do i do like this line where she says i missed my brother surely he would not judge me too harshly when he saw this in my thoughts no and i think rose was when you hear when you see her side of things i think she was absolutely right to yeah. tell edward i think she was doing it for the right reason she's like edward you imagine how edward's gonna f- react if bella's been dead for months and we didn't tell him right he's gonna lose his fucking mind yeah i think she she was wrong but i think she her reasoning was correct i think she had the right idea she jumped the gun but i'm kind of on her side on this yeah. I, I get where she's i she was empathetic and, I, and that line kind of exemplifies that she was doing it for the right reasons right so yeah and i do like how much she's like uh, looks at herself in the mirror and looks at her expressions and tries to see she's kind of like trying to see that trying to understand her own motivations by yeah. looking at how her face is actually reacting which is very interesting it's a very rose thing because everything filters through her self-image right and so i like that little detail where meyer showing her like she's trying to figure out herself but it's kind of filtered through her face yeah. in a very literal way, which yeah. I, I found very interesting. I was I, like, that's I a thought cool take. that, yeah, that is an interesting take as well. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this one much more than the phone call yes. one. 
Uh, yeah, and I wrote I I enjoyed Rose's POV much more than I ever would have thought I would. Yeah, same. Would I want a whole book? No, no. Just like I would not want a whole book of Emmett. No, because you know it's going to be like four chapters. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, shit, this happened. I got in this fight. And then, like, stuff happened before that. Because, <laughs> like, Emmett's POV of, of Eclipse is like, yeah, it's like, it's just the fight chapter. <laughs> one chapter maybe before, one after. It's like, so, like, this happened, Victoria. Anyways, we had to fight a bunch of vampire newborns. It was dope. <laughs> and then the last one of the extras from New Moon is called Being Jacob Black. And it's an outline of Jacob's perspective on the events of Twilight and New Moon, which I guess this is like a little prelude to when we have Jacob's POV for, at yeah. the end of Eclipse in the epilogue mm-hmm. and in New Moon. I mean, not Breaking New Moon, Dawn. in Breaking Dawn. But it, it's slightly, it's not exactly what I expected because it's like basically Jake telling his story. Yeah. it's Rather than going through like the narrative, you know? It, well, it's almost like an apology or like a kind of like, uh, not an apology, but Meyer standing up for Jacob. Because I, I guess this was written as a reaction to people saying Jacob's basically being a dick and he sucks. And Meyer's like, do you understand what he's going through? It's kind of like our daddy swan rant where like, if you really break it down, yeah, boy's been through a lot. Yeah, or, or our, you meant. Or uh, our no, that's what I meant. It's our daddy swan rant. And we're like, when you really step back and look at like the sequence of events, it's, you can kind of understand like how Jacob got to be acting the way he did. And, yeah. Yeah, so it's just kind of like a laying out his motivations and perspective mm-hmm. or giving uh, reasoning behind his motivations and perspective in Twilight and New Moon. And I, I, I liked it. It's interesting. It's kind of like a write-up. It's not really like a, a, a narrative piece. Yeah, no, like yeah. There's no... Book. Yeah, it's just like, imagine this happens and then this happens. It's literally exactly what we did with Daddy Swat in last episode. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty much. But, but there's a few cool moments. There's a little... It's kind of hints that Sam may know that Jacob's the true alpha and should be the true alpha. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, We also get a little note where Jared seems to have particularly good vision, which may hint at like werewolves having particular powers or abilities, kind of like the vampires do. Right. There's a great line where it's kind of talking about Jake, like how he's feeling about things. And he's kind of conflicted where he saved Bella's life and he was only able to do that because he was a werewolf. And he... he it says, quote, you become even more reconciled to your fate. And I really like that. Where like, yeah, he, because he was a werewolf, he's able to save her. And that almost makes him more of a werewolf that makes him more what he is. And that yeah. kind of solidifies that he has to be this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, terrible things would happen. And I just love that idea of like, it was a good thing, but it it, it also just means that you're never going back now like you have to be this because now you know if you're not a werewolf you're not supernatural things could happen to people and you may not be able to save them so this is you're stuck with this yeah i just a weird it's an angle to that idea that i hadn't seen before and i think it really illustrates jacob's pride and his struggle and and his guilt and everything mixed together i really like that yeah i agree i just i think it does a good job of uh it's hard to talk about this one it's kind of a weird you guys probably have to read it to really understand what it is. Yeah, it's but it's different about. from all the other ones that we've talked about. Right, but I can understand the like, it makes me better able to understand the horror and the heartbreak of Jake Fields seeing Bella in love with a vampire. Yeah. It'd be like if you fell in love with a guy who, like, bends paperback covers all the way around when he's reading. <laughs> Like, not only are you in love with someone else, I was wondering you're in love with my mortal that. enemy, and I've, you've just horrified me. 
That's funny. Thank you. Well. Well. That's so it. That's it for the outtakes and extras. Yep. So the next topic we wanted to bring up. Is me going to the bathroom. Okay. So the next topic that we're going to talk about are the storytellers, which, of course, is the little competition thing that happened where uh, a bunch of female creators. Sorry, Spencer is cracking open a a tall boy. Not a tall boy. I mean, it's one of those like twist top Miller lights. Miller light. Anyways, um, so it's. It was a competition for female film directors, writers, um, to create uh, fan-made little films about these kind of, like, bonus information that you find in the illustrated guide. So, there are a total of seven. We have the Mary Alice Brandon file, which is Alice in a psych ward. Which is pretty good. That one's good up production. There. Yeah. Um, I like their Alice. She was fine. Uh, decent set and everything. Yeah, well, I th- feel like the quality of this one particularly was mm-hmm. quite good. It, it's basically her flashing, her in the mental or in the psych ward, flashing back to like her past and how that how it led up to her being there. Yeah. Um. So it's basically all of her backstory. And then we have what's called We've Met Before, and it's Alice and Jasper meeting, which is very sweet. It's a very sweet one. I think it's the best acted one yes probably by a mile and oh my god God. the actor that plays jasper is stunning yeah he i don't know where they got this guy handsome he's He's too handsome almost well because because compare like most of these clearly like amateur actors like these aren't like you know hollywood people really but he looks like he's straight out of hollywood and he's a good actor like he was actually really good he was good so i was like how did they get this guy where is he he was so handsome and it was just uh, but it, and and the alice was also she was she was very, cute. very beautiful yes uh they were done really well it takes place in a little diner it's very cute mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you get a little callback alice sees a waitress she's gonna like break a glass and cut her finger which is kind of a little callback call forward to, to the Bella the cutting her cut fin- paper cut. Yeah, so, but then Alice kisses him to distract him from the blood. It's very sweet. It's a very cute one. Uh, it's up there, maybe my favorite. Yeah. I would say the Mary Alice Brandon file and we've met before are kind of even to me, but they're yes. they're like tied for number two. I agree with you. Next one not <laughs> is, is a bit of a decline. It's uh, called uh, Turncoats. Great. It's something I wanted to see, but I I hated that I did. It was it's so it's about Garrett and Carlisle in the Revolutionary War. A great premise, cool. And it basically looks like like a high school drama class it, project. It it looks like a college film. <laughs> it is performed like a high school play. Right. Okay, you're right. You're right. It is so badly performed and acted. It is so bad. The script is not great. The script is The acting atrocious. is more atrocious. Honestly, I wish I could say better things about it. Yeah. The costumes are great. All the sets and the costumes set and great. all of these I thought were great. This but one is, everything else yeah. <laughs> Ooh, bad. Ooh, it was bad. it was definitely the worst thing we saw. It, it revolves around a soldier who is Garrett's sister. Is Garrett's sister trying to disgu- who's disguised quote unquote disguised himself as a man <laughs> who is so clearly a woman. 
that it just there's no tension because it just looks like a woman she just looks like a pretty lady and they're like don't don't take off her coat I'm like she's clearly a woman. <laughs> you don't need to see her breast to know that this is a woman. She doesn't do anything with her hair. It's just like I don't know even know how to describe it, but it is long hair, but not in a male. It is very clearly very female, female hair, long hair. It's like sure. not up in a butt or like or in a ponytail. It's just it's, bad. And you know, I feel bad because I kind of like the actor for Carlisle. But he looked it, good, he, but I he was like too serious. He, he was, was he was too serious, and also just the script was so bad. Terrible. The script was so bad. But oh God. Uh, moving but on, don't take our word for it. Please watch, watch it. Watch that Please. one, yeah. And comment. Uh, <laughs> Sunrise is the next one, which is very cool. It was a uh, Benjamin's origin story. Ben, if you don't remember, he was part of the uh, Egyptian coven. Yes, this is very interesting. It's obviously very not canon, but if it, it's a very interesting take in that Ben had basically the, the the power of the, fire the, the, the fire but it's kind of like sun it's almost like uh in the shadow and bone trilogy like the yeah. sun powers mm-hmm. of the main character there but he they call it like the he has he has the power of raw the sun god and so he but this is him as a human right so he just has like sun powers and i guess they become avatar powers where he gets earth wind and water yeah. on top of that when he becomes a vampire but it's essentially him and um Tia, mm-hmm. their like love story, and, right. and I will say I could not stop staring at Tia's lips. They're the juiciest lips I've she, ever. She seen. had some juice. She had some nice lips. <laughs> uh, she was very pretty. There, but again, this one's very good costume for like clearly with the budget they're working with. Very nice costume and, and yeah. design. Honestly, it was fine. This one was probably number three. I'd say so. It's up there. It's pretty good. For me. Going back down again. Uh, we got Masquerade. Carlisle it's the mask. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? Uh, it's mask, but with a Q. Also, uh, scratch that line about the juicy lips. I just mean that I could not stare, stop staring at her lips because they were just like very juicy. prominent. Ah. I know, but like juicy means like I would want to eat, but that's not how I felt about it. It's more just like I could not stop staring at her lips. Kind of like when Angelina Jolie talks and you're just like lips. Mm. You know? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, continue. But the next one is mask. It's it's. Again, great premise, a story I wanted to see told, but not how I saw it. But it's it's Carlisle and Esme, uh, Esme very newly a vampire, mm-hmm. and they go to like a masquerade ball together, yes. and it's a big test for Esme because uh, it's like her first time being around humans. She's still learning to control her thirst and everything. Right. And it's just not acted well. It's probably the no. worst, like, uh, it's probably the worst, like, camera work in the series. It's very closed in. Yeah. Clearly very cheap sets and stuff. It looks mm-hmm. like a college film kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's not great. I love the Carlisle. I love the, the Carlisle was much Carlisle. better. I also really love who played Esme. I think what really threw me off was the other characters and like yeah. that storyline uh, Esme uh, wasn't great though it, yeah mm-hmm. i don't even know what happens in it i don't remember there's some conflict i just didn't care it was kind of boring it just wasn't very good yeah the next one much more interesting is the yeah. groundskeeper which is uh alice uh escaping from the psych ward and also becoming a vampire and but it's mostly about the vampire that saves alice from james and Victoria. Yes. As they try to Which catch Victoria, I hated. Yeah, she wasn't great. She was over the top. The James is very good. Honestly, what that Victoria made me think of, um, and I could not stop thinking about it, was the mom in Matilda. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting <laughs> reference. I like that. I see. I see where you're getting that. 
I do like that. She'd be better in that role. Yes. That actress. Because she's not very intimidating. No, no, um, no, no, no. Just like fucking crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was very good. The the actor who played uh, the groundskeeper who was a vampire that was protecting Alice mm-hmm. was, was good. They, very good camera. I really liked the camera work with this one. It was edited yes. and the camera work and the editing was very weird. It was mm-hmm. the most like interesting of all these. It was the, they had like weird random zoom, zoom ins. It, it was. Yes. I wish it would have been better if I, they, they kind of doubled down on that and they made it kind of like a Tarantino. We like it a very eccentric, right. really eccentrically filmed kind of thing, uh-huh. but they kind of only halfway do it. Yeah. It slightly missed the mark there. Someone's but... I, not no spoilers, but like, I mean, spoilers, someone's beheaded and they do like a camera shot where it's a camera rolling. Like and like from like, the heads POV. I love that. I thought that was I funny. I also enjoyed that. I thought it was fun. I just wish they did it more. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the last the one last one is the best one our, our favorite it's so good it's, it's called consume yes and it's jane and alex uh the the evil twins from the voltori their origin story yeah the character that plays aro phenomenal yeah so good um he's also like younger than michael sheen and i think that's more appropriate because aro is not like a 40-year-old man, right? Right, and it kind of doesn't make sense in the lore where, like, they don't age, but I, I like the choice because I think thematically you, it, it is a younger Aro and you feel that he's younger yeah. in a way, even though, obviously, he wouldn't actually age. But it looked mm-hmm. cool. He did a great Aro. Like, great and it, job. And it, it's so easy if you're going to play Aro. I think it'd be so easy to go over the top because you're trying to match Sheen. Right. You're not going to match you're Sheen. You're not going to match Don't Sheen. even try to match Sheen. But he did it just enough where it, was ex- it wasn't it was really that eccentric, but you felt it was Aro. But Jane and Alec, the ki- they were young. They weren't like chi- children children, but they were kind of like preteens, young teens. Yeah. But they were very good. They, they were, were very fantastic. good. I really enjoy who they cast for Jane because she looks very innocent. Yes. And, and it really just goes to show that like Jane was forged as a weapon right. as a result of these people like lighting her on fire no and i like that because they didn't go the angle of like they're like spooky evil kids right no they were just normal children and they're completely normal they didn't give them any hint of of weird problems like yeah besides i I mean like you did kind of get the hints of their powers right but 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 there's nothing malicious about the kids about the twins yeah anyway and i like that i like that angle where you don't even nothing about them was ever going to be evil and Mm -hmm. then it happened Mm because they meet aro early on but then aro kind of fucks off yeah and then all the evil shit happens. They get lit on fire by the villagers. Poor acting from the, the village folk. I will but, say, yeah, for you sure. Know, it's fine. And then Aro comes back. He's like, hey. Hey there, I'm here to save you. You know, that trauma is going to make you very powerful. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. there we go. So, but yeah, I think that we agree. That is, one is the best one by I agree. far. So I if agree. you want to watch a good one, watch Consumed. Yeah, just, just search uh, Twilight Storytellers and you'll get a playlist with all of them. And yeah. have fun. They're yeah. like all like eight to ten minutes long. Yeah. It, it's it's nice. Kill some time. Uh, but now we're getting into what I think may be the most controversial part of this episode. We are going to rank Stephanie Meyer's playlist for the book. So if you don't know, on her website, she has a playlist of music that goes along with each book. And it's kind of a combination of the songs that thematically go with the story chronologically, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but also kind of what she was just listening to at the time. Right, while she was writing. Which was mostly Muse. And, you know, um, Spencer was saying before, like, this is probably, we're probably not going to have the same answers. We have very different tastes in music. We do. We respect each other's tastes. Correct. But we have different tastes. Correct. I think I'm just going to go ahead and give my rankings. Okay. So this is 
Twilight. So it's a proper story. So it's Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, Breaking Dawn, also Midnight Sun, and Brie Tanner. All these on playlists. We're doing all of them. Correct. So Correct. number six, my bottom one, Twilight. <gasps> you know what? You know what I did? I, okay, I went through an order to look at them. And I, when I saw Twilight, I said, oh, my God, this one has to be number one. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. It is not. Because then I went to New Moon and I said, oh, my God, this one has to be number one. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Number five, New Moon. No! <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll explain myself later. Moving okay. On. Okay. Uh, but then I go Midnight Sun. Okay. Then Breaking Dawn. Okay. Brie Tanner. Okay. My number one Eclipse. <gasps> How strange. I have a feeling we have opposite lists. <laughs> okay. So for me, I kind of put Midnight Sun and Brie Tanner like on the back burner. Yeah. They're kind of like in joint fifth for me. Mm-hmm. Mainly just because I'm not as familiar with those songs and artists. So it's interesting you say that because I listened to those. I listened reverse chronologically because oh. I thought I would, because I'm, I have more associations with the proper series books. Right. I wanted to avoid just digging in and mm-hmm. just being like, oh, well, these are my favorite. So I gave Midnight Sun Brie Tanner first listens because I wanted to give them a little bit of a boost because I think they were not going to have as much connective energy. Right, right. With, like, I'm not going to associate them with the stories as kindly as I would the other ones. So that was kind of my, I was trying I to account for that. Yeah. But I don't know if it made that much of a difference. But then you ended up liking them a lot. I did. Yeah. So so they're in joint fifth. Uh, then fourth place I have Eclipse. I knew this would happen. Then Twilight, then New Moon, and then I have Breaking Dawn in first. Okay. Now, I will say, Breaking Dawn, part of why I have it in first is because, you know, Breaking Dawn is broken up into three different books, right? Yes. She breaks up the playlist into three different playlists, yes. which I think is very appropriate because they all have very different vibes. Mm. And and you talked about how you were gonna you were going to mention which of the three were your favorite and i was looking through and i I don't know which one i like best so i was i'm gonna have to augment that because i forgot about one of the songs on there that i hated and that (gasps) brought breaking down breaking dawn down on my rankings no which one uh, it's the aerosmith song i hated the aerosmith song it sucks it's the worst aerosmith song i've ever heard i see um and but i was originally gonna say the jacob section was gonna be our favorites but i think that mostly has to do and this is what i was trying to avoid is that i have the best associations with that part of that book and so i'm naturally more inclined also as my chemical romance yeah i i I like the edginess to it it's a little more angsty got corn incubus yeah literally nine Nine inch Inch nails Nails. yeah Yeah. it's got a lot of good stuff tv on the radio who i really like is on there i think vibes wise though vibes i really Mm -hmm. like book three i was gonna say i think if i had to change i think now with that aerosmith song kind of uh, remembering that i would go three right because three has okay go which uh surprised me mm-hmm. um death cab for cutie i will follow you into dark automatically that one that one uh, that song yeah. has a special place in my heart and and now that i see that it's associated with book three of that it's just it just means that much more to me that song alone bumped breaking dawn back up because i love that song and it's a perfect placement in this and it work Correct. and like like you said i already love that song for yes. different reasons yes but associating it with this yes. perfect i love it even more also in book three you have simon and garfunkel which i which love i wish I she got more weird was, with some of yes, these takes i wish I she branched that. out more of these playlists um three doors down lincoln park you know all the right stuff smashing, smashing pumpkins, pumpkins. <laughs> all the good stuff yeah. now i do want to say though I, I think i i 
I also really like book one, but completely different vibes. You know, it's not my fa- favorite vibe. I can't decide if I'm annoyed or I like that White Wedding was the first song. You know, okay, Idol. I feel you. Also, I can't decide if I'm annoyed or like that Hemorrhage was the last one here. It's very <laughs> much. Okay, you just, get I it because she's bleeding out. Hemorrhage, yeah. you get um, it? Do you I get it? I was like, oh, but also it's a kind of a banger of a song, right? It Every time I think of that song, I think of now that's what I call music. <laughs> like playlist. Because yeah. like that was, I feel yeah, like yeah. one of those on a commercial that I remember yeah. saying. Yeah, no one, no one else remembers the hit band Fuel. <laughs> um, also, little side note: this isn't a, this didn't affect my rankings because I didn't notice it until I made my rankings. Uh-huh. When on her website, when she when you go to each tab, her playlist, every one of them has song dash artist, except for Breaking Dawn, which is artist dash song, which I find very annoying. You know, I think I prefer artist dash song me too but i want consistency correct because yes I, this might have been why i chose breaking dawn as, as number one because I, I i this is the preferred template that i i have so the one i have most notes on i don't know how you want to do this but the one i have most notes on is midnight sun weirdly oh okay midnight sun has a lot of good and it's the longest one it I is it's and got a, so many good ones and just looking at them before i listened to them midnight sun was like probably going to be my favorite i thought yeah but listening to it didn't work quite as much for me i will say the uh first song i listened to it and i was like this sounds like it was like made for edward it was weirdly specific to edward and then i looked again at her website and it said midnight song Midnight Sun theme song, and it was that first song, which is uh, "Crooked Ways" by Motion City Soundtrack. And I was, it was, it's very specific to Edward. It's like being stuck in a, like a, a purgatory, like kind of thing. It waking up finally, right? And I was like, why is this so accurate? I do love that she's got uh, Claire de Lune, Debussy on there. Yes. Um, Obviously, we gotta have Lincoln Park. I think her most interesting, most inspired choice in all these playlists, she puts "Ice Dance," which uh, is a uh, Danny Elfman score from Edward Scissorhands, which oh. I thought was a very inspired choice, very interesting. Yeah. Edward Scissorhands very thematically mm-hmm. similar to Edward in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, and it's a great intro into the Bright Eyes song "First Day of My Life," which is a song I absolutely love. That and is a good one. It is a great little piano score into that song, which is very good. And then also, probably my favorite song that's on any of these playlists is "How How to Disappear Completely," which closes out this playlist which by radiohead and so like those little moments on paper all are great and i love it but the most of the playlist is kind of boring it's kind of dull to me yeah. and it just didn't work as much as i love how to disappear completely which i think is perfect song for edward in the chapel and how he's feeling i think is an absolutely perfect choice for that part but yes it just doesn't work yeah no like as a cohesive like sound thing yeah mm-hmm. maybe not the best i it was really hard for me to decide between New Moon and Breaking Dawn. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of songs and, and artists on New Moon that I really, really yes. enjoy. Right. We have the Flaming Lips, Do You Realize, which that song also means a beautiful lot to song. me. It's yeah. a beautiful song. I think I associate it with like rom-coms, which is funny. Which um, is weird because I associate it with a very... Uh, uh, low point in my mental health where I was playing that album back to forth nonstop. <laughs> and so that's a very different take we have on that it's song. It's a very different take. Also, I don't know if I hate or... No, I do love. I love that the second song is Paper Cut by Lincoln Park. It's so good Just... because of the paper cut! 
it. She has a paper cut, it. and then, then Jasper. And of course, it's a Linkin Park song. It's because there's so many good artists. Like literally mm-hmm. all of them. You have Muse, All American Rejects, Matchbox Twenty, Jimmy Eat World. You have Coldplay, The Fray, Evanescence. So, so let me get into why I didn't like this playlist. Oh no. A lot of it has to do with Fix You by Coldplay, a song I do not like. Okay, you know, that one is, every time I hear that song, I think of, and this is going to be a deep cut. If mm. any of my, if any of you listeners know what I'm talking about here, please email us. Because when I hear the song Fix You, I think of <laughs> this, I don't know what British television show it was, but it's like a British television like kind of game show type of thing but david Tennant hosted it back when he was still the doctor in doctor who never mind the buzzcocks never mind the buzzcocks thank you yes it's the episode where he hosted it Mm. and they have a running joke because uh david Tennant loves Coldplay. loves Coldplay. yeah he does and and he kept playing this song like throughout the show throughout the episode oh did he yes and every time i think of that i just think of david Tennant, which uh, makes me like it a little bit more so more much worse than that uh and this song really really made me not like the playlist i wonder if you can guess what it is i don't think you will god i hope it's not be my escape no no uh, it's Unwell by Matchbox 20. Oh. I just, it's such a generic, dumb yeah, radio song. I'm right. not crazy, I'm just a little, oh, well. See, so, and that, that to me, it, it is the crux of why I don't like this playlist, is that <laughs> it's it's not, it, for the depth of hurt and dark mm-hmm. that Bella gets into and feels in this right. book. That just seems a little These shallow. books, and I don't think any of the songs get to that point, like in a way I want them to right. in the way that how to disappear completely by Radiohead really, I think really okay. fits the tone and the true depth of feeling for Fair Edward. I don't think any of these songs get there for me. Like I wanted them to, and a lot of them felt too shallow. And I just, I wanted to love this playlist and I didn't, I will say props to having a blue side by Rooney. That is a deep cut. Yep. I love that song. Yep. I like that she has Foo Fighters. I would have picked a dozen different Foo Fighters song in that spot than that yeah. one. But, but it's fine. You know, it's fine. I just, I think, I think it didn't do the thing I wanted it to do, and maybe that's unfair criticism. But it didn't. I just didn't like it. I'm also very shocked that you put Twilight last, and I, yeah. I want to say this because Twilight, that soundtrack is very short. I think that's part of the reason I didn't like it. Really? I just, well, one, it has "Creep" by Radiohead, which instantly I just turns me off. I kind of like that. Though. It's just overdone. It's it's not. But they <sighs> have "I'm Not Okay" by My Chemical Romance, and I know you love that song. I do love that song, but also it's the. I think everything's too direct. It's too obvious. It's, it's not as interesting as I All wanted right. it to be. Fair I'm, enough. I know I'm sounding Fair like enough. a snob here, but it's yeah. not. I'm not okay. No, I get it. it maybe and then that song's trying. It's 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 supposed to be that obvious. It's supposed to be that blunt and straightforward, but. Yeah. That and Creep is just, they don't... How do you I, feel about Dreams by the Cranberries being I, on here? I mean, I like that one. I, it's just, none of it interested me that much, I will say. Uh, I just never, I just, none of it got me anywhere. Fair. You know? Well, we can agree to disagree. Well, and I'll just quickly explain why I liked Eclipse so much. It had maybe the least amount of songs I knew going in, mm-hmm. which maybe is mm-hmm. probably the reason I liked it a lot, but it was the most 
musically interesting and dynamic i felt it had the most note it had the the greatest range of like musical sounds and different things you're hearing yeah we have alanis morissette in here yeah yeah i mean you got uh, morissette um okay go which i feel like that's not too popular well you have people like placebo you have elbow you have um uh, uh the magic numbers like a lot of dashboard confessional like less uh, typical Travis, you have less typical artists on here. Yeah. Also, Mr. Brightside will like will is a big up on any playlist. Really, Mr. Brightside? I know, no, I know. Yeah. I, I'm just surprised that you don't think it's corny. The problem I have with like Creep and I'm not okay is that they're overplayed, but also they're too obvious of a choice. Okay. Mr. Brightside, I don't doesn't say anything too specific that I find it like. Uh, roll my eyes like i obviously what we're saying here okay. even if it's overplayed but it's a hype fucking track i love it it is it is I, that one just how i listened to it it was fun and then also she has at the end she has three alternates that you can pick between as the closing tracks you have this is how i disappear and sleep both by my chemical romance mm-hmm. and then also the well in the lighthouse by arcade fire i think the well in the lighthouse is the is a great closer on this playlist mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. like it a lot i also like those two My Chemical Romance songs quite a bit. Sure. I don't know. This one's just, I just had the most fun, interesting experience listening to it. That's all I can say. So we can, we can just talk back and forth all day long. We can share opinions. But I wanted to find a way to objectively decide which of these was the best playlist. And the only way I could think of was to find out which playlist had the most Muse tracks in it. Okay. So this is a segment I'm calling, Are You Not Amused? <laughs> so I'm breaking down how much Muse is in each playlist to determine which is the best playlist. All right. So at the bottom, way by a long, long shot, we have Breaking Dawn. Oh, wow. Which contains only 3.8% Muse. Uh, one out of 26 tracks is one Muse. Disappointing. Disappointing. I'm going to say it. Disappointing. Next, Twilight at only 7% Muse. Again, one track, but only 13 songs total. Okay. 7.7%. Then we have The Short Life of Brie Tanner. Okay. How many there? Only up to 8%. Again, one track, one Muse track, but only 12 songs in the playlist. So it has Mm, more Muse representation. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm very sad. But we we, we jump, jump up quite a bit when we get to Midnight Sun. Which has a whopping 12.9% Muse. Wow. But I will say one of these Muse tracks is an intro. There's four songs. One is an intro song to uh, another one. So, I think eh. it's got vibes though, right? It, it, still, it still is in the same place though. If you take out the, the one other one, it's, it just jumps down to 10%. But it still keeps it ranking wise the same spot. Gotcha. Uh, after that, the next one is New Moon. So props to you, babe. Yeah. With... 13% Muse. Okay. You can also add another one from the alternates. Ah. But that doesn't change, doesn't even get it close to the number one eclipse. Okay. With a staggering 30% Muse. Oh my lord. I am not a Muse fan. <laughs> like, I like them. I right. just never, like, really found it. But I mean, I do think they're appropriate for this series. Yeah. I feel like they're very theatrical in a way yes. you know but also dark and yeah. i feel like it encompasses like kind of the vibe that the twilight movie gives off you Definitely. know like blue and like intense blue and intense i agree okay they have six muse tracks and only 
20 songs. Wow. 30% that is Muse. a lot. And they're my favorite, so I must be correct. So there we go. <laughs> there we go. Well, we are running short on time. I need to leave soon. Yeah. Uh, but that's it for this week. Yeah. We only have one more episode. Guys, Can you believe it? It's insane. I can't believe it. So remember, if you want to send in any like audio or if you just want to send it, shoot us like a small message saying yeah. what Twilight means to you, we are still accepting those. So yeah, feel please free to do. email us, message us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anyway, whatever. We will. We're going to put that all together into a cool thing at, in our final episode we just want to hear everyone's voice want to hear what you guys yeah. think too because uh, we truly have cherished every person who has followed us along in this journey so far and it's crazy that we're almost done with this i know it's insane yeah. but thank you guys so much for listening so far um if you like what you hear please you know rate us five stars uh, you can also find us on any of the social medias you can find all those links at twilightpod.com that's right. And if you like our theme song, and of course you do, it was written by my buddy, Alex Chavez. You can find more of his music on his Facebook page, Alex Chavez Music. Ah. Glad we got there. Yep. <laughs> but most of all, guys, remember, the more muse, the more you'll be amused. And also remember, don't suck. Don't suck. Bye. Bye. Okay, so um, yeah. a lot of people might be thinking that we're beefing real mm -hmm. hard whenever we talk about these playlists, mm -hmm. but you know, the biggest argument we've ever been in mm -hmm. is when you told me, okay, so guys, listeners, imagine- I don't remember this. A bed is up against a wall. <laughs> Which side is the inside oh, no. of the bed? Is it closer to the wall or closer to the inside of the room? Anyways, shoot us your answers so we all know Spencer's wrong. Oh, God, I forgot about this. <laughs> we will follow up. I will make. I will write a, a reply to this. <laughs> I will explain myself on the next episode. <laughs> but until then, <laughs> bye. Well, I do, do want to be fair, though. Mm -hmm. The inside of the bed is the one that's closest to the wall, not the closest to the inside of the room. Absolutely insane. Uh, anyways, bye. Bye. <laughs>